0: Welcome to Stat. I'm telling you all medical true crime stories, and it gets bizarre. Karen Wickham, yes, yeah, she used to work in the ER, and now she's sharing the knowledge. So let's get involved. Hey funny and scary at the same time. Medical mysteries, all facts. She ain't lying. <laughs> so tune in to Stat if you dare. Crazy- hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Stat. Shocking traumas and treatments, and I'm your host Karen Wickham, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And here we are in lockdown again. Not too happy about this. Actually, I'm quite upset that uh, people couldn't follow rules and very simple rules and that um, our government couldn't keep the shit together. So uh, not to sound too bitter, but yes, coming from Toronto, lockdown, Canada. And besides that, this is the second part of the interview with Heather Wright um, in regards to the Harold Shipman psychological breakdown. So I'm just going to just say, here we go. Have a listen. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. So. If I'm tell me if I'm wrong, that most serial killers have there's a sexual component to it, like a aphilia paraphilia of some sort.
1: So, I don't feel comfortable saying most. Okay, um, many? I think many do. And I think that there's a line to be drawn, and I, and I would love to research it a bit more. But I see oftentimes that, yeah, there may be a paraphilia involved, but a lot of times there's some kind of disconnect between their childhood, like when they were supposed to, ideally... Uh, develop in certain areas of their life and they just didn't or there was something that they had seen witnessed experienced in their childhood that gave them a certain feeling and they associate that with the feeling that they get when they kill somebody so that's where the sexual aspect of it comes in they get aroused by this feeling
0: so this is what I want to present to you Um, okay so when he was giving palliative care to his mother he would often undress her and bathe her okay yeah yes and Makes then the doctor sense, would come along and clean. and he's like he's in a he's a teenager mm-hmm. then a doctor would come along and save the day mm-hmm. now the majority of his patients in fact if not all of the patients that he murdered in the home were posed were undressed mm-hmm. and posed i don't know it just seems that there's a
1: there's a I think there's a connection there. Um, I I don't know. Like it may not be,
0: but it makes me think.
1: Yeah. About. I mean.
0: You know how if, like, why why would he pose them? Because. Yeah. He he didn't have to.
1: Right. But he always just left them, and
0: they always sat these little lounge lounge. Like people had the the lounges in their living room. They were either posed in the lounge, or in the bed, and they always Mm -hmm. were in this same position Mm -hmm. and some of them would have like their hair perfect everything perfect so it's almost like that mannequin thing you know what i mean like you you pose it you are presenting it like right right. there there's my there here's my creation this is what i've done and and so, so anyway i and also too he would turn the heat up full blast in the houses so it would um caused the de- uh, decomposition to happen faster. So yeah. every home they went into, the heat was blasting so that they could have a harder time to figure out the time of death.
1: Yeah, they. Uh, he definitely covered his tracks, again, coming back to that. But and Anyway, I so look-
0: I don't know if it's anything, but it makes me think that it's a possibility. I could be one of Yeah, worst-based. and I
1: didn't look into that part of it too much, but I think that you're on to something here because he was in his pubescent years. I mean, he was a teenager when all this stuff was going on with his mother, so... and And if his mother is the only female figure in his life, he's going to be curious. I don't give a shit what house you grow up in when you Mm -hmm. go through puberty. You're going to get those hormones. You're going to get these feelings. You're going to want to know things. So, with that being the only female figure in his life, yeah, I would not put it past him. Yeah. I, I don't know.
0: Like, it may not be, but it just makes me go because i was trying to figure out why did he pose why did he pose them why did Mm -hmm. he pose them because he didn't have to right you know if he wasn't there
1: yeah if he was there to visit them
0: why would they be sitting in this perfect like position if they were so sick that they died okay dying from a heart attack is very painful yeah dying from not being able to breathe you got that thirst for air you're you're You know, you're in tons of of stress. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be in this, unless you had an instant death, you wouldn't be in this perfect... um, Seated position. Yeah. With your your gown like this. Also, too, some of them said, my mom never wore a dressing gown during the day. (laughs) Right? She was always doing this and whatever. So, I don't know. That's what makes me think that. Why? So, was he posing them? Because when his mother died, she was, you know, in a gown lying peacefully um in in a certain position so that's how he wanted I don't know ah that that Some, makes
1: perfect sense Sometimes I think I'm to thinking too much it. about it and then sometimes no. I think no but they
0: think that much into it so yeah anyway
1: and that makes perfect sense to me too and, and especially cuz the next one is traumatized by his mother's death recreated those circumstances repeatedly so that posing Oh okay there you go if that would be recreating it yeah. so I I'm on board with that I totally I mean, obviously, we weren't there. We couldn't see it, but that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anger is another theory. So many of the victims lived longer than his mother did. Perhaps it was a sense of injustice to him. So he was hmm. like, this isn't fair. Like, you're sicker than her, or you're as sick as she was, and you're still not dead, but she died at this age. Like, that's not fair. I'm taking it. Okay, I'm taking your possible. Life. Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, all, there's like a A combination of several of those that I think played a a role in his actions. Um, Something that was really interesting I found was that after he was arrested, he refused to talk to any mental health professionals. So after he was arrested, we didn't hear shit from him. We didn't find out his motives. We didn't find out his reasonings for anything, why he did anything that he did. He didn't, he didn't say shit, which is super interesting to me because a lot of times with serial killers, once they're caught, they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna spill the beans because I want you to know everything I did. This is how I feel about it. I'm God. I made these decisions." And they're
0: proud. They're bragging, and they want to relive very, them, right?
1: Yes. And he's he's so, you know, tight lipped about it because I and think I don't, I don't they, get they,
0: it. he was afraid that they would see what was underneath mm-hmm. that maybe he was fighting. I don't know. No, it's true. Fighting it was, it was unusual yeah. that he didn't say shit. Yeah, like some well, hot, then, some will say we'll spill the beans like um, yeah Pogo the clown dude uh, John Wayne Gacy and yeah. then he would turn around and say no that didn't happen so then yeah. he'd get them talk he'd talk and then he'd get them all like uncomfortable Interested. and stressed mm-hmm. and then he he'd get another re- get to relive it and then watch the discomfort on them and then pull back and say no no I didn't do it so even it was a they, game to him. So many of them yeah. do that, you know, Bundy too, yeah. and we can go on and on.
1: For days, and Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> for days and days. For days. But he, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was super interesting, but it, it kind of brings us back full circle to the beginning when he started having issues with addiction and stuff and, and finding out that he was depressed and how he should have disclosed that information, and he kept it a secret. So yeah. that's like kind of his thing. He likes to keep things secretive. Maybe there's shame why? in
0: it. Yeah, you know, um, there's some shame in 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 yeah. Like he wasn't the perfect with him. boy, the perfect yep. man.
1: Because that's what his mom. Huh. So that would give him, him a little be. bit of insight too, to be though, perfect. wouldn't it? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so, show. I know it's so interesting. Yeah. Oh. So if I had to guess, though, after looking up a bunch of stuff on him, finding different articles from actual psychologists who have looked into it. And then, of course, my handy-dandy DSM over here.
0: Um, Handy-dandy.
1: Handy-dandy. It's like a pocketbook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That you carry
0: around in a backpack.
1: Listen, I just carry it out front and center so somebody asks me about it. (laughs) Can you imagine going
0: to the grocery store? I think that you have the blah, 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 blah,
1: blah, blah. blah. Exactly. You remember
0: um, Lucy, I don't know if you remember, you're so fucking much younger than me. <laughs> Lucy Peanuts, and she would say, "Doctor, yes. in five cents, that could be you. You yes. can do like an on-the-spot oh, diagnosis please. and say five bucks."
1: Okay, so yeah, I looked up stuff from a ton of professionals, like actual psychologists, who looked into his stuff. um Obviously, not with him because he didn't talk to anybody, but after the fact. So, I I do agree that this whole lifestyle choice, because that's what we use these days, uh, is <laughs> probably personal for him. So there's something, you know, driving him from his own distorted point of view. Obviously, there's a lot that has to do deeply rooted with his mother and how she raised him, uh, that close relationship. Um, And then then that close relationship was severed very, very early. So he really had no other connections. He had that God complex we keep talking about. It's so important. Uh he felt as though he was above the law. He could make these decisions. He could choose when people died and he could choose what he did. He could steal the medicine if he wanted. He mm-hmm. could, you know, whatever. He could evade taxes. <laughs> Take yeah, people's yeah. patience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh so he exhibited narcissism, obviously that's why I'm here. Um <laughs> no, grandiose. But th- <laughs> no, but the thing is it's like people may not like him and say like, he's such
0: a mm-hmm. dick. But he's confident and he's a hard worker, so it's like yes. they make these excuses mm-hmm. for his behavior. They dismiss yep. the shitty part of him. So even though he's a, there's so many things you'd go, Ugh, don't want to dick, do with this guy. But, there, there's yeah. this thing of like, well, but he's all right otherwise. So you yeah. know, he gets the job done. And or
1: that is so prevalent in so many aspects of our lives too. Like I can tell you. I can think of two people right now that I work with where it's like, I may not work with them very closely, but I can see things where it's like, yeah that person's a total jackass but man they know what they're doing Yeah, and we always put that butt in there we try to justify we're like it doesn't matter that his personality sucks or it doesn't matter that she's a complete jerk
0: like we don't have to like everybody but we have to work with them so let's work with them but it's wait a minute like what line are they crossing at some point Right. if they are maybe they're not maybe they're just a dick but you know they're
1: (laughs) maybe I do know a few of those yeah me too Um, but yeah, so the, the narcissism of grandiose, because uh, there there are different levels, and when I was looking into that, I feel like he fits a bunch of them. Okay. Um. So there's like superficial charm, patients believed that he was the best, we saw that. He seemed to have a chip on his shoulder, and I think that had that was deeply rooted with his mother again. He would, <laughs> so something that I read was that he would interrupt speakers, and he liked to argue. So if somebody was presenting something, let's say in his um, practice, like, before he had his own practice and they were coming in to discuss maybe a new medicine or, or a new treatment option, he would interrupt them. He would be so blatantly rude and just, like, interrupt them kind of like what he did in his trial when he would yeah. smirk and laugh. He was just a dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, um, he I don't think he could stand the fact that someone possibly showed more knowledge or was getting more attention than for him. their knowledge that he... Didn't have or couldn't wrap his head around because he. Right. He wasn't a creative thinker. No. Right. Like he did things. I guess his creativity was in the way he was able to hide shit. But in terms of being a doctor, I think he was like average. There was nothing. And the thing
1: is, he probably not to cut you off, but he probably did get really mad when people knew more than him. Because think about it. It took him at least two years just to pass the first entrance exam to be in the program the residency program like and if they're smarter wasn't... than
0: me i can't outsmart them exactly yeah
1: yep so he was like so he had to posture angry. you know
0: like mm-hmm. his alpha male or whatever the hell you want to
1: call it yeah yeah so like how cats will raise up their little hair you know yeah, like yeah. just to make Lift themselves them look bigger yeah
0: and like that's what he was doing yeah Ugh, gross it's
1: such an animal. <laughs> um, He didn't like people who he considered intellectually, wow, words are hard, Yeah, intellectually inferior to him. Uh, He enjoyed humiliating people who he felt were inferior in general, including those who were in positions of authority. So like, let's say his supervisor, he just felt that they were inferior to him. So he would humiliate them. He was awful to were staff at his clinic. Like he
0: would bring some of the receptionists and nurses to tears. He had um, a bit of a um, uh, turnover because of that.
1: That seems like a pattern with doctors. <laughs> Gosnell was the same way. I
0: oh, you mean think. with serial killer doctors?
1: Serial killer. doctors. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. Killers. It is. They
0: just. Um, and I just, Again, I wonder if there's this this insecurity that lies beneath it. Mm-hmm. That I-, uh, I think so. You know, I have to. Uh, I have to prove that I'm better than everybody. And it's he like obviously he's making gets some kind of for cool enjoyment from it too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, making up for things in his head that nobody even sees. But he's making up for it on the outside by being blatantly disrespectful, rude, and just a complete asshole to people. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just covering it all up. Um, his attitude would change when someone would die. He would lose any sense of compassion or empathy. He became very cold and callous. So yeah. when he murdered a patient, he would take charge of the scene, he would tell everyone what to do, uh, and then when the family would be surprised about their loved one dying, like, what? That doesn't make sense. She was doing fine. He would basically say that he wasn't surprised at all. It was something to be expected. He, he was often was, very
0: he, rude and very... Yeah. Like, some of the things he said to some of the patient's family were, were awful.
1: Do you have examples of that? Because I was trying to find quotes, and I couldn't find any that were, like, well, that I, I could like confirm. Um,
0: like, if... I, I, I don't have any direct quotes, but um, there was one daughter who was like saying, no, she wasn't sick like this. She didn't mm-hmm. have a history like that. And yeah. he would be like, you don't even know who she was. You are never here. Do you have a medical education? And her mother just died and he would like berate her. And, so these are the things and he had done that to quite a few like the second that his ass was on the line he would mm-hmm. you know belittle them so that that's an example i don't have like a, a quote from her or anything like that but, yeah I, but that's what i sort think of his, i read his about his that mo one, though. yeah
1: mm-hmm. it's it's sick and yeah. and just like his attitude would change so how you discussed earlier like how the patients really loved him and like he was just a different person in the office in in their home yeah like he would be so nice to them and gentle in their home and stuff and then when they would die he would just turn into this monster yeah
0: it's like all right uh next next yeah next. yes yeah. exactly they were they were like disposable. a rotating thing yeah
1: mm-hmm. Ugh. Uh, we've said this a million times he was very manipulative very yeah. very very manipulative uh-huh. um and he was this this gets me the most he was annoyed by people who were chronically sick or terminally ill, which yes. brings us back to his mom uh, because, you know, he had to take care of his mom. So that that could be annoying. He was a teenager. He was always caring for her. He wasn't doing mm-hmm. anything. He didn't have any friends. Um, but it also appears as though he murdered them because he just didn't want to spend the time to treat them. They were wasting his time. He had better things to do. He was just done with it.
0: Yeah, and also, too, if you're truly caring for someone that's critically ill, Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: a lot of work. Yes, it is. And he didn't want to work, right? Mm -hmm. You actually have to put some effort into it. Caring for a well person is easy, Yeah. right? Making up the story Mm -hmm. of how they died is a little bit more work, and then they're gone. But the actual ill, you have to go there all the time. You have to actually use the medication that they need and stuff like that. So I, I think... You have to... His intolerance the for treatment. that is probably mm-hmm. part his mother and part, oh, he actually had to, like, he couldn't, he had to work.
1: Yeah. He had yeah. to do what his job entailed. Yeah. And he <laughs> was incapable
0: of being a palliative doctor because mm-hmm. palliative, I don't, I don't really think I've ever seen anyone who doesn't have a complete, like, kind heart and wants yeah. the best for, for patients, whether it's a nurse or a doctor working in mm-hmm. palliative care. They, they are, great communicators they're very empathetic you know so um so i think that's why it just 100 percent didn't work with him because he was incapable of any of that
1: exactly and and yeah just from Mm -hmm. personal experience when my mom was in palliative care like it was like night and day from one wing of the hospital where she was getting her surgeries all the time Mm -hmm. to moving to palliative care and just the the overall ambiance i guess is the right word of the the that particular floor of the hospital yeah. was just so different oh yeah it
0: it's just so much more gentle and yes. not so fast paced it's it's kind it's um
1: very kind could, yeah.
0: yeah so yeah it is very different you mm-hmm. have doctors that will like that do have the time to spend to talk things through with you like mm-hmm. so um i mean all all areas are important but it does take a very special person to work in palliative care for sure. It does. It, so it really does. So he was not obviously going to be any good at it because of who he was.
1: Yep. He <laughs> this is disgusting. He would often ask the families for certain property or belongings of the decedent, and sometimes the family would give it to him. And I don't know why. I wonder if it's just because they felt like they owed him. Um but other times they wouldn't, which is good. I would never do that. I think that that's just weird. Why would your doctor want an item from no. you after you die? It's just odd to me.
0: It is very weird.
1: Ugh. Um so that's suspicious to me. Think about think about the will for um Grundy. Yeah. So that's the one that got him caught. It's so obvious. Oh, Perhaps yeah. he wanted to be caught? Some think that uh but what if it wasn't the case? What if it's just because he truly believed that he deserved it? He Put a compliment in the forgery about himself. Oh yeah, and how good he was (laughs) to all. He wrote his own resume for Christ's sakes. Uh, Yeah, and it was so disgusting and so sloppy. Yeah, and yeah,
0: ugh, slimy.
1: He's not smart. We've done. We've said it before. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, pathological lying. That was like that's a major thing with him. Yeah, I feel like, and it's. You know, you can't even hide that, the fact no, that no, he was that's a pathological just, liar. It
0: is what it is, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, there was no indi- no indication that he was a safety risk while he was in prison. Uh, he was very collected and intent on getting his way, including when he committed suicide. Yep. Or I've heard it by a couple people recently. I guess you're not supposed to say committed suicide anymore. You're supposed to say completed suicide. Okay. I don't know why okay. that's a thing, but maybe. maybe it, I don't <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, He didn't present as though he was depressed or had any anxiety, but we know he had a history of it. And that lends a hand toward grandiose narcissism and psychopathy. Okay. So he was able to, like, hide that. He was able to present as as a well person so that they didn't have any red flags or have to watch him.
0: Okay, so there was just one moment that I don't know if it was him being theatrical or if it was really what happened but when he was convicted and he was sentenced they had to drag him kicking and screaming he collapsed and was like literally having a temper tantrum pounding his like little boy fists on the ground and crying hysterically and rolling around and screaming no 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 now i wonder what that was was he just like fuck you and the fit was because he was, like, frustrated, how dare you? Was it because he was afraid that his life and his ability to do all the shit he loved to do was taken away? Or was it just, like, a show? And um, it only happened I
1: that one time. I didn't know he did that. Yeah. But as soon as you started describing his actions, it just made me think that he reverted back to his childhood. He was back in that mindset of he's the child and his mom is gone now. So it
0: was a temper tantrum.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it feels yeah. like to me. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I was wondering. Like, I don't think it was genuinely like, "Oh my god, what have I done? I'm going away forever." Yeah. It was like you're taking this it away from like, me.
1: Damn you, and assholes. I,
0: yeah, and I think he really didn't see it coming that he was going to lose. I do not. Yeah. I think he was just it it was no, a sh- it really was a so shock well. to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He did so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was unheard of that he was convicted. Oh my <laughs>
0: goodness, what is wrong with people? It's <laughs> corruption.
1: Oh, it's a hoax. It's a hoax. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, so sometimes his grandiose narcissism could vacillate to vulnerable narcissism. And mm. I didn't know that this was a thing until now. So this okay. I found really interesting. Again, I'll include the articles for you. Um, so he at times did seem fearful. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if that was fearful of getting caught or fearful of a repercussion of some sort or maybe fearful... Of taking someone's life, I don't know if it was like mm-hmm. a fearful moment or a fearful like later this could catch up to me. You know, like I'm going. to- It was self-serving house. either way, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if he was like afraid that once he got into his patient's house that somebody would walk in and catch him in the act, or after it happened somebody would connect the dots and realize that he did it. So I'm not sure where that fear
0: lies. Yeah, if that but fit in yeah. either way. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, he would stop killing for a while and then when he would resume he would go after those who were terminally ill they were definitely easier to get away with we see that um and this would help in building his confidence back up so oftentimes serial killers what makes them a serial killer is that they have multiple kills with some um periods in between like um i think like resting periods if you will um Golden State Killer is like perfect,
0: well. right? Example of how he would go years in between. Who is it? Golden State Killer.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, he, he had many
0: different names. I mean, he started off mm-hmm. as a rapist and then moved on to, to you know, uh, I think raping and getting more physical, more yeah. um, building up. Yeah, yeah. And then he would go stages in between where he wouldn't come up anywhere. But the fact that he did it so late in his life, because most serial killers, don't they stop around? Don't they kind of retire, quote unquote, after a certain age or no?
1: So cooling off period. That's what I was thinking. Cooling off period. Um, So that's, that's like an ever present question. And I think that we assume that they kind of retire. But I think that sometimes it's just either they get better at it, at hiding it, or they're just out of that. The way I look at it is, if if we're relating it to the sexual aspect, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, men and women, you know, have this time in their life where they're just they don't have the libido anymore. Yeah, they just yeah. don't have the sex drive, if you will. So uh-huh. maybe they just don't have the drive anymore. Yeah, maybe they true. got ill themselves and they just aren't. So it's biological the to do it. Yeah, yeah, and
0: hormonal. Yeah, that makes. I sense. I think
1: that if they if they weren't sick or they it wasn't like a hormonal or biological type thing, um, and they still had their wits about him, I think that they would kill till they, till they got caught or till yeah. they died, yeah. honestly.
0: Because, I mean, sort of he was getting old for a serial killer, so to speak, right? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's maybe where you can see that there was maybe, maybe a little bit of a sexual component, but not much because that was not what's right. driving driving him. But at the end of the day, he still got something it out of posing them and and doing that. Okay, cool,
1: cool. Yeah, because right. when I when I think about the sexual aspect of things, I don't necessarily think of, oh, there's a sexual aspect because he raped them there was a sexual aspect because he fondled them no i think exactly what you were talking about with him posing them and undressing them that's sexual enough yeah anything yeah. that gives you pleasure or arouses you yeah i feel like a sexual in nature
0: i think he got a charge from it um how he was yeah. you know presenting it to the to the world or whatever yeah
1: mm-hmm. okay disgusting either way yeah Um, so yeah, so then he would take those cooling off periods, he would build his confidence back up, maybe get himself a new list of clientele, whatever the case was for him.
0: Targeted different ones.
1: Exactly. He was described as aloof and withdrawn. I think you kind of went over that earlier, which is seen with vulnerable narcissism a lot of the time. Um, so vulnerable narcissism overlaps with grandiose narcissism and factor one psychopathy, which we went over in the last episode. Okay. So I don't really want to go too deep into that i think he shows um,
0: signs from both
1: i i do too i, yeah, I can they see the, overlap. the
0: overlapping now i have a question mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. do you think a narcissist knows they're a narcissist <laughs> or does a narcissist yeah so they know they're a narcissist and it's like whatever because they're smart enough to have an education to do this and that but they're kind of emotionally empty so does a narcissist know they're a narcissist and say yeah i'm a fucking narcissist or does Personally, the narcissist go like that word doesn't even enter my vocabulary?
1: Yeah, how dare you! Yeah, I think that the whole like theme and and everything that's under the umbrella of narcissism kind of lends you to believe that they don't know they're narcissists or they don't think that they're narcissists okay. because they're so narcissistic. Yeah, that's what that my that point just is. That couldn't be them. They're so <laughs>
0: narcissistic that they can't even like it doesn't even cross their they're not gonna
1: title themselves as it yeah Yeah. they're not gonna diagnose themselves as narcissistic they're not a narcissist no i'm
0: not that way because also being that way is bad and they don't want to present themselves as being that way so they're actually hurting their narcissism therefore actually identifying with it but not oh my
1: god and they're so manipulative i just had like a little
0: hemorrhage in my eyeballs i think when i said that (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) i mean it's completely accurate though to me at least like again i'm not a doctor guys but it makes sense to me like they're not gonna identify as a narcissist because they're not so narcissistic they're not that's not yeah they don't want to present as that
0: they want to present as the good guy or whatever the good guy or the the good you know the the nice lady or whatever yeah yeah okay so let's move forward then
1: okay um let's see i i have so much um So I think I might just include these articles for you because I don't want to read verbatim from them, but there was a lot of interesting information from Psychology Today and um, Frontiers in Psychology basically regarding the overlap and the factor one psychopathy and all that um, discussing two subtypes of subclinical narcissism, which is kind of what we discussed with the doctors. So there's like the grandiose narcissism, which is continuous with narcissistic personality disorder and vulnerable narcissism, uh, both of which have self-centeredness as a core feature. But the self-absorption is expressed differently in both cases. And they're insecure. Exactly. They
0: can't take um, criticism well. Yeah. And that's where, you know, he would maybe have to be so arrogant and rude to someone with superior knowledge mm-hmm
1: and the grandiose is characterized by extroversion, low neuroticism over yeah. expressions of feelings of superiority which was present with his mother yeah um they're true egomaniacs vulnerable narcissism has like introversive self-absorbedness mm-hmm. um obviously we see that with him they're basically just convinced that they're better than others um they fear criticism They shy away from it. They seem panicked. All kind, like he shows all of it. So So it seems like
0: with vulnerable, there's an element of anxiety involved in it, whereas the grandiose, there's, there's that doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I feel like he showed both though because I do too. There are instances where he shows anxiety, for instance, with. I mean, in my eyes, the, the whole thing with him changing the will and sending the letter to the daughter, yeah. that was him being anxious about getting caught, so he wanted to cover his yeah. tracks and be like, hey, this is from the insurance company. It's legit. <laughs> I, I think he had
0: components of both. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. I think as we um, go down the list here, um, we've uh, covered a lot. Covered a lot of it uh, already. Yeah. yeah. So-, so
1: I do have something for you, because I know you like the tests. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So I found a Psychology Today article, and it basically has six signs that you're a vulnerable narcissist. Okay, let's hear them. Okay. One, you have an introverted personality, Uh-oh. check. Uh-oh. <laughs> check. Um, but I feel like they're really extreme with this one because they basically say that introverts tend to come across as unapproachable, unfriendly or cold, negative, unassertive. Yeah. I don't see you as any of those things, really. Um, definitely not negative, definitely not cold or unfriendly, uh, but you're kind of like me. You have to get to warm up to somebody first. Okay. So I'm not not
0: checked off the first one as a psychopath. I'm just a person that likes to get to know people. Okay. Yes. Okay. So
1: one out of six, I'm clear. Clear. Yes. So number two, you have a neurotic personality. So you're likely to be high in neuroticism, Another dimension of personality on the big five model. I think we went over that last time. Yeah. Neuroticism is characterized by the following six facets. Okay.
0: Anxiousness, Anxiousness. Yes.
1: Depressiveness. Sometimes. Hostility.
0: Depends on who it's to.
1: Self-consciousness. <laughs> Anti-maskers
0: and anti-vaxxers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> self-consciousness. Yes. Uh, immoderation? moderation. Mm, no, I think
0: I'm good that way vulnerability i
1: am am vulnerable
0: okay Mm -hmm.
1: so i'm neurotic (laughs) yeah so it's basically if you're both high in neuroticism and self-centered you're likely to worry a great deal about your perceived status so your youthful look your career prospects your savings your relationship status or anything else you take to matter to your perceived superior status
0: oh no no no
1: right no (laughs) like i I don't care about any of that. Like, Jason always says stuff like, you're not going to hang your shirt. I'm like, it can stay in the dryer until I'm ready to wear it. I don't yeah. care. It, it know, doesn't know, have to be. Exactly. I can have wrinkles. I don't care. I cover the,
0: <laughs> I, I think I am some of those things, but not within the parameters of being a psychopath or a narcissist. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next.
1: Same here. <laughs> um, number three, we won't, <laughs> the article's so funny the way it's worded. It says, we won't say it out loud, but psst, you thrive on attention and accolade. I
0: don't like I don't. It.
1: I, I'm I like, I'm so
0: excited and happy that my show's doing well and, mm-hmm. um, you know, people like it and my Facebook group is- But you're not
1: shoving is, it down people's throats. I can't even
0: promote my own ass self. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my own ass self. <laughs> yeah, so, you're no, the same as me. I'm going
0: to say no to that. I don't, I, I'm just an ass and I, I am who I am, but I don't no. like being a center of attention. If I feel like the room's gone quiet and eyes are on me, I'm like- I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Same, same. I need to get a drink of water, and I just sort of walk quietly out of the room.
1: I feel like I'm in high school again, and I have to raise my hand to ask to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, can Uh, I go to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm going to say no to to, to that one. Yeah,
1: that one one is like super – so it even says something like you're in constant search of natural opportunities for self-promotion, which I thought was really funny because it basically – says that you're you know you're eager to take on things because you want people to see that you're doing it and you want that oh good job like for instance when people I mean I don't know if you're friends with anybody who does this and I apologize if it's offensive but for people who like go out and record themselves giving a homeless person food. Like I've done that that. 25,000 times, but I've never recorded myself doing it. I don't need people to see that I did it. I just need to know for myself that I helped somebody. Uh, Look at me, look how
0: much of a good guy I am or a a, a good chick I am. Like, look look at me, I'm doing this. No, you don't Mm -hmm. fucking do that stuff. If you're going to give, you give. You just do it. Simple as that same that yep. that makes me a little crazy it's like when i when i worked as a nurse there was nurses that were like what do you call uh, trauma runners as soon as a yes. trauma hit they would tear off cuz you know to be the hero and save the day now mm-hmm. a, there's always a trauma team that you're picked to be on so you're either mm-hmm. on it that day or you're not on it that day it's it's skill it's the area you're working in it's it's not anything like you could have you, you know usually your best trauma person is going to be picked but you know right. it's it's sort of like are you floating in that area that day can you can you step away from your your clients and, and stuff like that but mm-hmm. anyway um i just thought that i would be a good nurse if i could just quietly be a good nurse like if i yeah. could just do m- m- me and do yep. great and just um get help when I needed it like I'm not okay can you look at this I'm not you know sure of these orders or can I have your second opinion you want to listen to their chest too like that kind of stuff yeah um but there's people that would run to traumas and they weren't even on the team and then they would shove their way into it and like
1: what are you fucking doing yeah because they wanted the notoriety they wanted to be the one that was the hero they wanted
0: to talk about the the big you know whatever that that happened and I'm like that doesn't make you a good person that makes yeah. you an attention seeking human being trying to you know we all One have different somebody. levels of skills but mm-hmm. you know yeah i i hate it if i'm not on the trauma team today that's fine that's fine yeah okay uh I or someone say you want to go to the call I'm, no and there was times where they'd be like hey karen you want to be in charge i'm like no or i was put no. in charge <laughs> and i'd say i'd pawn it off on someone. <laughs>
1: I be like I resign.
0: Yeah. No, I just, I just, I didn't want to be the charge nurse. I just want to yeah. be with my clients in the area that I'm working in, do as best job as I possibly can, learn what I can learn, make some connection. That's it. I don't want to, I don't, yep. I don't care. I don't want to be anybody's boss. I hate it. Hated it. I'm not good yep. at it. Me either. <laughs> Me either. Okay. So, so you're so
1: far, you're doing good here then. Oh,
0: thank goodness. All right.
1: Um, number four, you are prone to feelings of shame. Okay. Um, so... I'm hard on myself. I'm very hard on myself. Uh, Your self-image is split into a positive self-image that is characterized by excessive pride and a negative self-image that is ridden with shame. No, I'm not extreme. So the split makes you hypertensive. Oh, no. I I feel like I'm
0: proud about some things and I'm like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I can forgive myself for that thing, but it's not anything huge.
1: Yeah, I think this is so... uh, I don't... But it's fun to I don't go know over what it the right word is for it like, yeah i don't
0: think we, the, we possess these things but you i, I guess no. what it shows is that i think
1: he does no i think no, he, he does, does definitely on this one i think yeah. when we
0: cover ourselves and we're kind of looking at it from our own perspective is that we have mm-hmm. the normal human reaction to these they
1: have the extreme
0: yes. human reaction we're like oh my god anxiety mm-hmm. well that people have anxiety but for yeah. them it's off the charts one way or the off other Off the
1: charts yeah Okay. And that, and it definitely, that one definitely goes to him for sure. Yeah. Um, number five, this I didn't really see. I, I did see it with him and I'll get into it in a second. But so number five is you blame others for your mistakes. So basically you don't ever take responsibility for anything. Um, when something is blamed on you, you turn it on somebody else. You d- you don't have any regrets, no remorse. So in this case, he didn't really blame it on anybody else like authority wise he just always blamed it on the victim just saying that it was their fault they were ready to die kind of yeah and he did no wrong so
0: you can't blame where there's no fault except for like maybe in the situation with the taxes you know where he's just like he put it all on (laughs) definitely
1: his fault but there
0: was you know it's hard especially when you're an independent doctor you're a general practitioner Mm -hmm. you're kind of working alone so it's hard to not you know, it's easy to be perfect when you're looking alone. You have anybody to call uh, you know, make you accountable. Nobody to call you out. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't
1: have to, yeah. Okay. And number 6, you take but you rarely give. Oh, you're yeah. always looking to receive more than you give. You may make more money than all of your family members combined, yet you crash on your kid's sister's futon yeah. or live <laughs> off of your grandparents' savings. Yeah. yeah. You debt. you never reciprocate. Uh so one of the examples that it gave was um uh, a friend Asking a friend to go out for coffee Or them bringing them coffee And they've done it like 12 times And that you've never reciprocated You've never even offered like, yeah. That's totally him I feel like
0: <laughs> Oh well I mean he was killing people And taking and trying to get their, their You know valuables yeah. and stuff like that For sure so he was definitely that Okay yeah.
1: Another thing that I found is that There's something called malignant Narcissist and I didn't know Ooh. this was a thing either Um, They can be highly manipulative. Definitely him. They don't care who they hurt as long as they get their own way. Definitely him. Some of the other symptoms is they see the world in black and white terms, including seeing others as either a friend or a foe. Yeah. They seek to win at all costs and generally leave a great amount of pain, frustration, and even heartache in their wake. Yep. Yep. They generally don't care about the pain they cause to others or may even enjoy it and experience it as empowering. Yep. They will do what it takes to prevent themselves from loss, inconvenience, or failing to get what they want in any situation. Yes.
0: I think he has a whole constellation of symptoms here. Uh, or like For sure. Like he's... He's he,
1: like a whole bundle of narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> he's your he's like... He's just... He's, he's the narcissist starter special. pack. He's got... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Vulnerable, he's like malignant, and grandiose. Yeah. Yes. He's just all the narcissism. He He... <laughs> next to narcissism in the dsm is a picture of him of, of chipman
0: yeah oh my god
1: <sighs> definitely so, so i think
0: he's he fits somehow and all of them want some more than the others you know what if i were to say at the end of it mm-hmm. i don't know i'm leaning towards a little bit more to more vulnerable narcissism
1: mm-hmm. but i, I think, think so you know. too i think a lot of it is rooted in vulnerable because of his childhood i keep going back to that but the way he was raised and when he lost his mom and that being his only connection i think so too like
0: if i had to break it down out of a hundred with um each section i would say that he is i would put him in around like 50 percent vulnerable like half and then mm-hmm. you know um the split the other two up into l- yeah. lesser or, or or small you know bigger or lesser amounts but i i don't know because it just seems a you know he didn't really have friends and things like that too, so he wasn't really an extrovert. But mm-hmm. then he was, oh, man, this is so hard. But I love He's it. So hard. Everybody yeah. who who's listening, I want you to tell us what you think. Do you think? What do you Please. think about this dude? And you can't just say piece of shit. You gotta. Yeah. We want to know what you think of this uh, this breakdown, and where you think his psychopathy lies. All right. Which
1: leads us into the factor one psychopathy. Nice segue. Yeah. Nice. I so, want a segue. Right? I'd fall off in a so, minute
0: and break my kneecap.
1: I wouldn't even know how to start it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to turn it on or get yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, oh, man. So I mentioned factor one psychopathy earlier and it leads into the narcissism traits that we just went over. Okay. It we kind of discussed psychopathy in the checklist in the in the Gosnell episode. Uh so again I don't want to get into that, but just to kinda paint you a picture, the uh PCLR factors one A and one B, which is for psychopathy, are correlated with narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. Which he fully has, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, they are associated with extraversion and positive affect. Factor one, the so-called core personality traits of psychopathy may even be beneficial for the psychopath in terms of non-deviant social functioning. Okay. PCLR factors 2A and 2B are particularly strongly correlated with antisocial personality disorder and borderline mm-hmm. personality disorder, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which he has several traits of those. Um, they are associated with the reactive anger,
0: mm-hmm.
1: criminality, and impulsive violence. Yes. The target group. You know in where pres- you see
0: the impulsive violence is when, yeah. you know, he's pissed off at this patient that's coming in all the time. He just kills her on the spot.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that was the red flag. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, like you don't so- know how many of those were we know her because yeah. you can trace it back to his office. But you know, how many yes. homes did he go and say that? I mean, Today's your day, I feel like it. Yeah. Because there was a th- you just t- couple, couple times off. where he killed two, three times in a day.
1: I was wondering that. Yeah. OK, so I thought I read something somewhere where he did that. And I just sat there and I was like, how in the hell do you have time to do that? You're like posing them and everything. How do you have enough time? There's not enough time.
0: He's good at time management.
1: <laughs> He's got some skills, I will yeah. say. <laughs> They're not great, oh, but they are skills. They- <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God. So with all of that in mind, when we're talking strictly about Shipman, he enjoyed murdering. Yes. He was sadistic. Um, the same method for him. He was always face to face with them. It was pleasurable. Again, the arousal thing, the pleasure thing, links into like the sexuality yeah, aspect he got a, of it. I think
0: he got he got a like a, a kick out of it. You know what I mean? Like oh, he yeah. he got a, a rush.
1: He sure did. He got his rocks off with that. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, proper use and interpretation of statistics could have prevented many of these deaths. Yes. And there was ex- excess mortality. So like when he first lost his license for that brief stint, if they would have just had better statistical evidence and better investigation behind it. I don't think he would have ever killed nearly this many, maybe not even 25% of the, the amount well, of people that When he was in he the hospital,
0: he, he killed a few people while he was in the hospital when he was taking the Demerol when he was a uh, resident. So it was, it had Jesus. started then like it, I don't know. Every single one of these doctors and nurses that I have covered could have been caught many times over. Mm-hmm. And it was all there and they they just got to do it for far longer than they needed to. So that's a whole other story. OK, yeah. carry on, please.
1: <laughs> um, so obviously the, the mortality was like at an astonishing level. We see that plus the unusual factors that came up during the audit because there was a huge audit. And I'll send you that link, too, because it was so interesting. But it would literally take you like an entire season to cover just the audit. No, I it was bet. insane. Yeah. It was so in depth. Uh, the women were aged usually, on average, 75 and older mm-hmm. for a great deal of those deaths. Um, he was more likely... This was super interesting. I just added these in because it was interesting. He would. He was more likely to certify his deaths on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, huh. where others would certify deaths evenly across all days of the week because, obviously, you can't tell when somebody's going to die. But his was very strategic.
0: Ah. I didn't know that. He... It's interesting, right? It's so mm-hmm. weird. So he was he very was, regimented. It's like he had to do it two days in a row, take a break, do one, mm-hmm. and then weekends where he, I'm sure he didn't see patients.
1: Yeah. Wow. Did he have OCD? That's a whole other conversation. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was also more likely to report a death that occurred in the afternoon. So 55% of his patients were reported as dying between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m., compared to just 25% for other practitioners. And I feel like this has a lot to do with when he obviously visited their homes, the home visits.
0: And he'd see yeah, the patients maybe, in the morning and then go out in the afternoon.
1: Yes, and maybe he would only work, you know, 6 to 2 or 6 to 1 and then go to the to to the homes yeah. because how often do you see I mean obviously you don't see it too often these days with home visits from doctors, but How often would you see them doing it late in the evening hours? It it, it would be on a situation
0: where it wouldn't be necessarily a a planned visit. It would be like someone calls up and says, mom or whoever isn't feeling that great. Can you come over and see her as opposed to I'm scheduling this visit at seven. That, yeah, I, I just don't pe- especially with the elderly they're they're very they can well they can be very regimented you know like this is the mm-hmm. time I have my dinner this is the time I I you know settle in for the evening this is the time I have my breakfast so you know yeah for sure I don't I don't see that like you know just pop by after 7 kind of deal happening right Yeah. I'll,
1: I'll be by at 7.15 make sure you have your dinner yeah <laughs> like yeah, well. yeah yeah so I kind of just wanted to close at least what what I had researched. I just kind of want to close on the phenomenon of clinicide, because I feel like that's really where we're going with this whole thing with the doctors. And I found a really interesting excerpt from an NCBI article. Okay, And it says, clinicide is the unnatural death of multiple patients in the course of treatment by a doctor. A number of doctors have such high patient death rates that it cannot be ignored. At some level, these doctors have an awareness of what they are doing, countered by an overweening refusal to acknowledge the implications or desist from further treatment. Treatment killer offenses usually occur on the basis of serial mental illness, but may include the contentious area of euthanasia killing. Doctors have frequently been accomplices in state repression, brutality and genocide and direct contravention. My God, words are hard (laughs) to their sanctioned role to relieve suffering and save lives. Yeah, Um, they have become mass murderers on an exponential scale, making any comparison with a doctor killing his own patients almost Mm risible. Many clinical doctors have extreme narcissistic personalities a grandiose view of their own capability and inability to accept that they could be criticized or need assistance from other doctors. Such doctors develop a God complex, getting a vicarious thrill out of ending suffering and by determining when a person dies. Yep. All of this is shit, <laughs> Yeah, it is hundred percent. It's insane. Like that literally sums up everything that we had been talking about the whole time yeah. we discussed him and Gosnell, like just their state of being in general they're just oh my god they're sick
0: i can't wait to hear your opinions on some of the other doctors (laughs) i am so excited expect the one i'm covering right now like i said andrew whitfield he didn't care any kill anybody directly per se Mm -hmm. but how many people may have died because of his um you know what he put out there, and and people stopped vaccinating because of you yeah. know, and therefore led to to different things because but, of his
1: propaganda. Yeah, but basically, if you,
0: if you look at, he fits this, except mm-hmm. for directly causing death, but he he fits in there, and um. You know they just they oh my god, I, I also like the I don't know I can't wait to cover I'm gonna be keep bugging you until, you know okay, but I'm just gonna keep coming out with these cases. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, they there's so Heather, intriguing and fascinating. Hey, Heather, it's we've so been doing sad, this but... together for 35 years. What do you think of this? I'm Little fine. Little sh- whippersnapper. Whippersnapper. <laughs> I love it, though, because I love it and I hate it because it, it's sad that there's so many that can be covered. Yeah. It's interesting for us. It's fascinating for us to look at it from a different light and so many years later, but it's sad that... There's so many that you can choose from. It's terrible. Yeah.
0: There's one case coming up uh, uh, that I'm going to cover. It's um, two lesbian lovers that worked at a nursing home and how they Mm. became obsessed with each other. Like They didn't start off that way. They became lovers while working there. And as this relationship progressed, they just fed off each other and started murdering people together in this nursing home. Jesus. So there is a whole... Lot to look at with that one so i'm gonna i'm gonna be covering that this is like you know down the road i have so many cases that i want to cover but um this was great Ah.
1: yes yes i yes i had fun i enjoyed this
0: thank you for coming on the show again today heather
1: of course of course anytime i can't wait till
0: next time and when we cover more cases together
1: yes i can't either okay for having me again thanks for joining me talk to you later um bye (laughs) bye (laughs)
0: So that's it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before I go, I have a couple things that I'd like to say. First of all, I want to thank Leanne Davies for becoming my the newest Patreon supporter for uh, STAT, and therefore me. So thank you very much for that. Um, if you, anybody's interested in checking out my Patreon page, STAT Shocking Traumas and Treatments, please go there. You can see all the... Um, perks that you get and, uh, fun stuff that goes along with it. So, uh, if you're looking, if you're interested, go check it out, please. Also feel free to leave a review on iTunes helps a lot. And just, if you want to join and have some fun, come to the Facebook page, uh, stat Facebook page. Everybody's welcome there unless you're a jerk and then you're not welcome. (laughs) And yeah, that's it for today. Please. This Coronavirus thing is so out of control. Let's do our best to do our due diligence. Wear a mask. Wash our hands. Keep the six feet. I know you guys aren't the ones that need to hear this, but uh, um, yeah, I just want to make sure that everybody makes this makes through this uh, safe and sound. Even the dumbasses. So, all right. Thank you for joining t- the show today. And remember to take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And most important. Love yourself. Peace. One love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill ya. Gotta watch out, yeah, you gotta watch it back. Cause you don't wanna be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah. Subscribe, make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show stack.